He's Scotty Kipper. Welcome to the show. This week's guest has his latest single, I Would Be Over Me Too, and happens to be the CCMA nominee for Rising Artist of the Year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's coming off a debut single, Pillow Talking, went all the way to number one, which is the first time that an independent artist has done that in this country ever. So that's pretty rad. Looking forward to speaking with him. Tyler Joe Miller, welcome to the show, dude. Man, thanks for having me. You're all the way in British Columbia, aren't you? You bet. What's the weather been like there? It has been smoking hot for the last like week, maybe even more. And then today and yesterday, it's just been dumping rain. <laughs> so back to regular Vancouver, just weather, you know? Right. Isn't it true, though, that BC weather is generally pretty awesome? I mean, the winter's there. All things considered, because <laughs> we live in Ontario, and Ontario is like a snow squall at all times in the winter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, if we get like a foot of snow, that's like a crazy thing. But then if you drive like an hour anywhere from here, you get just tons of snow. So right. uh, I'm used to a lot of snow. I love it. And actually, half my family is out in Ontario. So uh, I uh, I got it in my blood. Nice. Things getting back to normal sort of after COVID now or? Yeah, yeah. Things have been, uh, you know, I had a little bit off, which was nice also super boring after one day so (laughs) i'm somebody that needs to uh be out and about and like doing stuff so it was super hard for me just to sit at home and do nothing and learn how to cook better was that what you were doing for the whole uh the whole isolation period just cooking sitting around wondering what to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah just cooking that was it uh no i mean i had some side projects that i had going and so uh yeah, so me, I'm, I'm a contractor back home and painting right now, but I had some, some carpentry stuff on the side and just some painting stuff. And I, you know, there's always stuff to do around home, and, and we got renovations going on sometimes here, And as in when I'm doing nothing and I can fix stuff at home. But, uh, yeah, you know, I kept myself a little bit busy, and then, yeah, and then we started figuring out this Zoom call thing with writers, and so got writing music again, which was nice. Cool. And actually, I've been, I started writing more stuff on my own again which is what i used to do before i started doing this in quotation professionally and so it was kind of cool to see the the skills that i've gained from working with other writers like down in nashville and stuff and the Mm -hmm. things that you pick up on and so uh yeah it was pretty cool to write by myself again and and just kind of see like improvements uh in myself in my craft and stuff so yeah, no, it's been awesome. On these Zoom calls, I've just got to ask before we get serious for a second, how many Zoom yeah. calls were you wearing pants versus <laughs> not wearing pants? Because I know my ratio on my Zoom calls, just curious about other people's. <laughs> That's exactly what you'd think. Uh, zero <laughs> times with pants. I'm not even wearing pants right now. You're living your best life. <laughs> so Exactly. So, do you ever hop onto a Zoom call not wearing pants and just be like, it's Miller time? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will my next one. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, this writing that you've been doing on your own. So you were saying that you used to write uh, uh, solely, and then you had some collaborators. So what's that been like going back to kind of the uh, the roots of where you started musically? Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, when I started co-writing with other people, I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty hard to, I think a lot of musicians can kind of fi- find it hard when they start co-writing with people to not get like too attached to their music. Mm-hmm. 
because you know me as a writer like i never thought i'd be doing this at all to the capacity that i'm doing it now and so when i'd write music just everything was from the heart and from experience and from you know this and that and then you get in a room with people in nashville and it's like all right we got four hours to finish a song who's got ideas and let's just get going no <laughs> pressure like, holy crap <laughs> uh you know and then you're writing with these people that just have you know, so many like number ones under the belt and just writing for all these big artists and it's a little nerve wracking, I guess. Also kind of like, why the hell am I in this room with you guys? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually been really cool. Cause I think I've written a lot of deep stuff that, um, not, not saying I haven't with other writers, but, uh, I don't know. I think I've had some stuff that I've wanted to write on my own that I've kind of kept, uh, and I've got to kind of do that. So it's been, I don't know. It's been kind of cool. And, I think when you do that, you also, I don't know, me as a, as a writer, because I was a writer before a performer, and I think as a writer, it kind of, you know, helps just continually uh, redefine myself as that. And so, you know, you're kind of learning through it, and yeah, it's been a cool experience. So when you walk into a room in Nashville, and you, you just sort of touched on it, you feel like you're out of your league, what was the biggest room that you walked into and went, holy crap, why am I here? <laughs> One was actually, we did a uh, label showcase in Nashville. Me, me Jess, Moskaluk, and David James did a showcase, and it was just full of other writers and you know publishers and labels and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, why are they listening to me? <laughs> uh, so that was crazy because it was a room full of them. But uh, a big one was, you know, I loved writing with Derek Rattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is just a legend. And honestly, like I thought it was really cool writing with him. And then he's just also such a good hang. Uh, yeah, I got along with him really well. But then I found out after we had written how many more songs I knew that were, you know, these huge songs that he'd written. I was totally. like, holy crap. Why did he let me in? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, so that was a big one. And then Kelly, Al- Kelly Archer, obviously, is another one. That Kelly's just great, yeah. Blew my mind. She, Yeah, she's just, she's a legend. She's awesome. She's just the boss. Let's back it up a little bit and talk about how you got started in music. What was the moment where you went, oh, man, I just, I love doing this. And then you started to dig deeper. I don't even know if it was like a, ooh, I love doing this moment, but out of all places, um, it was actually when I was in Central America, <laughs> super random, uh, but also they love country music down there. Cool. I found. Yeah, so I was down uh, doing some humanitarian stuff and, uh, on, on a trip, and this guy had heard me playing my guitar out on the porch one night, and uh, you know, I just brought my guitar just to play some music at night and whatnot, and and I was playing, you know, a couple of my songs that I'd written. And I grew up on country, but I'd been playing in another band back in the day. Uh, I was a lead singer for it and did all the writing. But it was kind of like in my early 20s and just playing the bar scene and whatever. And I just kind of, it wasn't really my style, my genre anymore. And and went back to my roots of, you know, I'd, I'd write. And anytime I would write music, it was storytelling, which, mm-hmm. you know, country music is just, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so... I decided to just start writing some country stuff and see what I could come up with. And then uh, this guy hears me playing my songs. And in the morning, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, like, I didn't know that you're doing country music. I was like, oh, I'm not really. And he goes, uh, he goes, well, like, whose who songs were you playing last night? You're the, like, those are that was country music. I go, yeah, yeah, it was. It was just a couple of ones that I've written. And he's like, well, holy crap, like, you should be doing country music. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with just, uh, I just left the music scene like a couple years prior and I was just happy with running my contracting business and, and doing this humanitarian stuff and starting a nonprofit. And, and that's like my biggest passion. And so, um, he goes, well, if you like helping people or want to help people, he's like, what if you got back into music? Your songs were good. So what if you, you know, started playing for people or started doing your own thing and you build a platform for yourself in music to where, you know, people not only want to hear what you have to sing, but what you have to say. Right. And you can use that to influence, you know, so many, you know, such a greater amount of people to, to do that. And also just expose where it needs help and stuff like that. And I was like, well, hot damn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I can't say no to that. And so, uh, yeah, so I, you know, eventually decided to go for it and just put my name out there and started playing for other artists. And, uh, and yeah, and then people start hiring me to play guitar or mandolin, banjo, just like some, some things that I know a little bit and or like backup vocals and then ended up, you know, landing a on a label by the grace of God. And so that's kind of like the, what got me into it was it was my passion for merging, you know, my, my love for music and my love for like humanitarianism and just helping people and trying to be able to merge the two together. So this man in, (laughs) in South America convinced you to play country music and here you are. That's (laughs) so cool. he he, He was actually a guy like from our team. So he's from like Surrey, but, uh, but yeah, it was in Guatemala where it happened. So it's very random circumstances. And was this before or after you got uh, swiped by a jaguar? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know if it was post or pre-jag. <laughs> so we got to back up for a second because we were talking off the air and you uh, you mentioned this jaguar story. So we got to tell the whole story there. Yeah. So <laughs> in in Central America, I... Uh, I <laughs> help with the nonprofit in, in Guatemala and they also rescue, we do a bunch of stuff. We do building projects and like, you know, rescue, big rescue kids with, um, you know, malnourishment and stuff like that. But we, they also rescue abused animals from like circuses and stuff. So they have a jaguar, they have a Siberian tiger, who's basically my pet. Oh yeah. They actually had to put up a sign because I have my arm in the cage all the time, petting it. <laughs> and, uh, that's a that's, that's a apparently no-no. it's it's not even a liability i am a liability so. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's a no-no uh it doesn't stop me still but uh yeah and they also have like a lioness so this jaguar was in a cage when they had first rescued it and so i was you know they're just kind of just checking it out and trying to play with it and not a great idea and then uh yeah i thought i'd test this stinks by turning around and standing up to see how fast it would take to you know pounce (laughs) (laughs) without realizing how far its arm could reach out of the cage and uh my ass was extremely vulnerable (laughs) 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 so it actually ripped open my shorts and everything too (laughs) and uh yeah you asked amy if i got tetanus i did not and have not thought of that until you just said it but i did use polysporin so oh well then <laughs> yeah so coast is clear can we ask uh what the what the uh, nonprofit organization you work with is 
Yeah. So my nonprofit, uh, I actually, I started my own, um, and it's called the Climb Outreach Society. But uh, we're still we're still building it online. So even when people go to look for stuff, like it's uh, we're we're barely existent like online. But uh, our thing is we really want to be on the ground doing a bunch of work before we try to get too many more other people involved because we kind of want to go, you know, like this is what we've done. And because the whole point of what we want to do is actually crowdfund for humanitarian projects around the world. Cool. So we see a big gap between people that, you know, have money and want to give or businesses that need tax write-offs and stuff like that. And they want somewhere to put the money, but then these big organizations that you don't know where the money goes to. So you lose a lot of trust and transparency mm-hmm. there. So our thing is, you know, hundred percent of what people give goes to projects and we want to show them that it goes to their projects. And so, uh, we sponsor two villages in Guatemala through an organization there. It's called hope of life. So they're, they're the heroes. They're the ones that are doing it 24, seven, 365. And so, uh, we just get to go down and, and be a part of what they're doing. And then, um, yeah, we we're doing, you know, we build schools for our villages, put in clean water, uh, build homes for people that don't have, you know, good living situations and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're still building like an app and our website at, at the meantime. Um, and then when we get it up running, we're hoping that, you know, we, we have it exactly how we want it. And, you know, people can give my, my thing is I, I wanted people to be able to give to a project and they get to choose what they give to, mm-hmm. um, by the, you know, they can do it on the, on the can <laughs> like that easy, <laughs> that easy and that fast. Cause you know, when you're on the can, what are you doing? You're flipping through your phone. It's like, Hey, you know, you could throw your money here and do a good thing. And so, you know, as easy as it can be to, to do it on the crapper. <laughs> well, you know what? I think <laughs> you're, you're making light of it, but honestly, I mean, that's really important work. So uh, kudos to you for, for that, because one that's got to be a, a lot of work and uh, that humanitarian work, that's absolutely outstanding. So thank you for all you're oh, doing thank there. You. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, just found an opportunity and didn't know I had that passion. And so I think a lot of people and a lot of people don't know how to help, where to help. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just have a passion for, you know, I didn't know where to help as of like four years ago or five years ago, whatever it was. And, uh, ended up on a trip there and realized that I had this huge passion that I had no clue that I had. And so, uh, we also want to be able to show people, you know, like this is somewhere where you can help and actually make a tangible difference. And mm-hmm. so I think that leaves people a little more inclined to to want to give to those sorts of things. But what was it that got you involved in that kind of work? It was actually through a church. At the time, I was I was actually working for it, uh, some music stuff. And then the church, uh, I went down there a few times with them, and then they had great leaders that were doing it, and and I just I. I was bought in the second that I went down there. I'd never left North America before. So it was one of those things where it was like, I, I just, I wanted to see more of the world and what was going on. But then they stopped partnering with the organization and they actually asked me to go lead a trip in like Uganda or Greece or something mm-hmm. like that. I was like, ah, those sound like good opportunities, but thanks, but no thanks. Like, I'm not just going to abandon, you know, what we're already doing. And so I think I, I actually have a problem with short term volunteer trips a lot of the time because a lot of it's classified under like volunteerism 
Right. And I think that's it, it's not a good industry uh, at all. But uh, our thing is like if we're going to do short-term trips, we need to build that long-term relationship mm-hmm. with the villages. So that's where we're committed to going. I was going you know, almost three, four times a year. But now I'm going just once a year. But it's still like the villages know that we're coming back. They know that we're still involved. And, and we build those relationships over time, which I think is really the most important thing. So that's when – they stopped partnering with them. I went, nope, screw that. I got to start my own nonprofit. And uh, <laughs> that's just kind of how it happened. That's really cool, dude. I also dude. do things spur of the moment. Uh, okay, so you're you're in Guatemala. You get this sort of message from the sky, and uh, now you're <laughs> pursuing country music. What are the next steps that you take to make that happen? Like, obviously, now you're, you're the first independent artist in Canada to have a number one song at country radio with pillow talking. First of all, yeah. congratulations on that. That's mm-hmm. dynamite. Thank you. Uh, but w- I'm just as surprised. There's, <laughs> but there's got to be a lot of steps between the moment that you decide to do it and ultimately getting that number one debut. So walk us through the next few months or years or, or whatever that, uh, that process was. Yeah. I mean, I think I had some friends that were in the industry a little bit, and so my, my name got floated around a little bit to just start playing for other people. And so that was a big help for me was that I knew how to play guitar. I knew how to play a few other instruments. So people would see me as like a utility musician where it was like, hey, we need this or this or this. Can you come play all those things? Or, you know, <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, uh, <laughs> just learn how to on YouTube before. But no. And so that, that was definitely useful to get into the industry because then, you know, by that first summer... You know, we're actually as of today, I think it was three, three years ago, we were open up for Toby Keith uh, at a festival out here three or four years ago. I don't remember. But uh, yeah. And so the first festival I'm doing, we're opening up for Toby Keith. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm just networking with all these other people backstage and at these shows. And yeah. And then people started floating my name around as like, oh, I'm this guy also writes music and so people would start asking to write and I just I'd heard that you know I think it's just like any other industry that it's it's who you know and so I figured I was like before I put a song out or do anything with music I'm just gonna meet everybody that I can and so I literally did that and I just met as many people as I could I tried to play for as many people as I could and just I wanted to be that guy that it was like you know, uh, I'm just there. <laughs> and so uh, that definitely happened. I was just present. I was at all the shows. I was playing. I was, uh, you know, people started recognizing my face and my name. And then uh, Luck of the Draw, I ended up doing a Christmas cover video of Oh Holy Night with Kristen Carter. Oh, nice. Another, another country singer. Yeah, so she. Uh, I played a show with her back in the day. And... We just became like really good friends, and so we did this duet. And uh, she's like, "Yeah, you want to do this Christmas song with me?" I was like, "Yeah, that'd be awesome." So we did it, and then people loved it. So they started asking, you know, you should, you guys should be doing more duets. And so we did a an Ed Sheeran and Beyonce cover of Ed Sheeran's "Perfect." Cool. And Kristen's definitely perfect for that because she's like like Beyonce, like her voice is just huge, and she's so good, and so. We did this song and we just threw it up on Facebook. Like, I don't even think we put it on YouTube. We just put it out there and it just blew up and people are sharing it like crazy, liking it like crazy. And then I guess it got around and floated around a bit. And actually, Bobby Wills, 
and one of my managers now, Mitch Merritt at NDM, they uh, both saw the video and then sent it to Mike Denny of MDM and were like, hey, have you heard of this kid? We got to find out who this kid is sort of thing. Like, you know, we should be interested. And so, uh, yeah, so Mike gave the green light and, you know, me and Mitch, uh, I got an email from Mitch Merritt at MDM and he's like, hey, saw your video like what you're doing we should meet up for coffee we both live in kind of like the langley area and uh yeah and so i was like i know exactly who this is because <laughs> i i remembered my first ccmas was only like a year before that maybe he was in uh saskatoon and i actually drove out to that one stupid enough um but <laughs> i drove to that one too <laughs> uh, not a good call <laughs> should have flown but uh no it was was super fun but yeah and i remembered like sneaking into the mdm party like i didn't have a pass or whatever it was and i made it in and i was like we've all been there (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah like nobody knows me so but yeah so i uh i remembered seeing people playing on stage at their showcase and i was like man that looks so fun like like, i want to do stuff like that and then all of a sudden, this last year at CCMA's, it's I was the the debuting artist of of the showcase, so it was pretty cool. And now here you are, CCMA nomination for Rising Artist of the Year. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> it's one of those things where if people actually know me before they knew me as a musician, it's hilarious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if people meet me. Uh, after they hear me sing like on the radio or hear music they'll be like then they meet me they're like that's not you (laughs) that that cannot be you (laughs) I'm just I think a bit of a I'm a bit of a goofball I don't know if you guys can tell but uh, I don't think take things too seriously especially myself we like to stay down to earth yeah, I like that. That sounds better. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. When you got that uh, that word that you were nominated, uh, what was your first reaction? I, <laughs> I was holy crap. That was literally it. It was like I, I actually got a text from uh, one of our one of our buddies that we work with with MDM, and he uh, sends me a text, and he goes, "Hey man, congrats on the nom." I was like, what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> they just announced it on ET Canada. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, do, what the hell do you mean? Like, this is crazy. So I looked it up and was like, oh, man, that's uh, that's nuts. <laughs> that's funny. I, I got a nomination last year for uh, Creative Director of the Year for my uh, album cover for Taking My Time. And it was the same thing. I So it's a long story, but to make it very short, I found this pig on the side of the road on my way home from my radio tour. Wound up putting him on my album cover. Fast forward, I was visiting with this pig who's now 500 pounds on the day that the nominations were announced, and I had no idea either. I was just I was out there hanging out with my pig, and my cell phone started blowing up, and it's like, hey man, congratulations! I'm like, what are you talking about? So I I can totally relate to that, dude. That's funny. <laughs> Scotty and his pig. Yep. Story of my life, that. man. Scotty and his pig that. sounds like a country song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, big congratulations on your latest. I would be over me, too. I got to tell you, this song, and you've probably heard this before, it's got a little uh, Luke Combsy thing going on there. (laughs) Weird. Haven't heard that one. Okay, Uh, so you have. I know this is nothing original here, but... Yeah, no, it's... uh... 
Yeah, it's funny because that song, actually, when we wrote it, it was more of a ballad. It was, uh, I wrote it with Kelly Archer and Mitch Mara, and the way that it came out, it was, it was almost more of like a sad song because the lyrics are super sad. But then when we got in the studio, our producer, Danik, was like, he's like, man, we, oh, I got the drum track for the song. Don't freak out. Just listen to it. I was like, that sounds like I'm going to freak out. So, <laughs> as soon as they say don't freak out of course that's your first instance yeah <laughs> and so he hits play and i was like whoa wrong song that is not the right one and then he's like let's add some more instruments to see how you feel and and also i went oh man like this and, and in my mind too i was like yeah this is this is a luke combs feel like i love that I'm such a fan of him, too. He's a pain in the ass to bump out of number one, but... <laughs> Zing! But, you know... <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was... Uh, it it kind of turned the song from this, like, sad, depressing song mm-hmm. into more of, like, a, like a self-deprecating sort of thing where it's like, ah, you know, I don't blame you. I was a bit of a jackass. Like, I'd, I'd be over me, too. Yeah, it's got a very 90s country feel about it, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah, and that's what I grew up listening to. I wish that I could say, you know, like I grew up on a ton of like the big oldies, and I did some of them, but for the most part, like what got me into country music was Paisley and like Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's kind of my my roots. And yeah, so I kind of call it modern 90s country, which I think, you know, Luke Holmes definitely does. And we're actually the same age too, me and him. And you have dueling Uh, ginger beards. We do. We sure do. I think that brings out the rasp, actually. Ah. That's what it is, yeah. So all I got to do is grow a nice ginger beard. <laughs> That's it. Just for a minute. Freaking genetics, man. <laughs> I'm never going to make it. <laughs> That's absolutely awesome. So who else would have been instrumental in inspiring you? You were talking about, you know, Brad Paisley and Garth, but uh, who did you listen to growing up as a kid? We, we mostly listen to country music when we'd be up at my cabin. So we got a cabin up in the Caribou here in BC. So my mom's side of the family is definitely the countryside. My dad's is too. They're pretty red. They're, they're all from like, like Fort Francis and Thunder Bay in Ontario. So they're, they're up there. Definitely rednecks. But, you know, my, my dad was a little bit more of like the rock and roll, Zeppelin, kind of ZZ Top. But my mom's side was definitely the country, and that's where I got it from. And so we, we listened to... Dixie Chicks was another huge one. I thought they were hilarious and just, like, so catchy. And weirdly enough, I remember having a cassette tape of The Judds. Ah, which record? Yeah. Oh, God, I have no clue. <laughs> uh, I just remembered, like, like Girls' Night Out. And yeah. Stuff like that. Like, my, my mom would always be cranking that up at the cabin. And Kenny Rogers is another one as well. Uh, and probably another big one that I really respected was George Strait. Nice. Yeah. The King. The King. That's it. <laughs> All right, Tyler Joe, we've got a segment on the show called Turn Us On, and this is where we get you to turn us on to something that you've recently discovered that you just can't live without. Whether it's a book, it's a song, it's a new artist or a band, a recipe, literally anything in your life that I, you had said that you were doing some cooking. Maybe there was something that you made that turned out completely bomb.com. We want to hear about it. <laughs> oh, man. A new so many new options. Thing. Yeah, that's that is that is 
vast. I'll turn you um, on because I discovered. <laughs> um, I'll cut you right off. It's a, it's a family show. <laughs> it's a family show. No, no, no. But I am late to the party because I know this is several years old. But I have fallen down the rabbit hole of Ink Master. On Prime Video, okay, and so it's a tattoo oh. competition, and I'm all about. I, I I love that sort of thing, so that's what I've been watching. So interesting. What have you been watching? What I watch actually is uh, I love comedy and I, I love goofiness and all that stuff, but I'm a huge true crime fan. Mm. Okay, yeah. So I'm actually like I'm addicted to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't even listen to music during work. I just have my headphones in and I'm listening to true crime podcasts all the time. Uh, and like true crime, like docuseries and documentaries. Like, yeah, I only got into it the past couple of years, but it's so it's, it's a bit new for me. But I think I've literally listened to every single one there is. OK, so if if a guy wanted to jump into a true crime podcast, where would you suggest that we start? Ooh, everybody would say cereal because that was like, you know, one that really made like pretty uh popular but i would say i'm a big fan of up and vanished that's a good one it it was in real time too so there's like actual things that are happening while they're doing the podcast which i thought was pretty damn cool and then bear brook is another one that i'm a huge fan of it's like finding people through like dna uh and yeah it's it's really interesting right on man yeah Okay, those so, are less of like the sick ones because <laughs> some of them are pretty weird. Yeah, right. But uh, I yeah. think there's a a good one out there too, and I don't know if you know it, but it's called My Favorite Murder Podcast. Yes, two yeah, it's two too. women. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've tried that one. It's a little hard for me to get into, but all right, we'll shut I hear down. It's good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, then but never I, mind. <laughs> I have a different taste. Maybe I'll give it another shot. I'll listen to that tomorrow. I haven't uh, I haven't listened in in a little while, so I don't know what it is now, but I have listened to that. Okay. So we have another segment uh, on the show, and it's, we're just going to ask you five questions. Don't think too hard on it. Just answer as quickly as you can. Ready? Okay. Okay. Ready. S- song you wish you wrote. Uh, Rain in New, Brad Paisley. It's my favorite song in the world. <laughs> it is. Okay. You ask musicians yeah. that. It's really hard for them to nail down one favorite song. What's yours, Scotty? Well, I'm on a Paisley kick, too, and I love uh, Waiting on a Woman was just wonderful. Oh. I love oh, so um, When I Get Where I'm Going. I mean, they're just... Oh, yeah. Oh, the writing in that early stuff was so, so good. Little Moments. Oh. Little Moments. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's We're... my second favorite. <laughs> ah! Okay, I got to go on a Brad Paisley bender now. Um, <laughs> if you weren't uh, working in music now, would uh, would the humanitarian stuff be your dream job? Like, if I don't you know. could if you could pick one thing to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, I don't think I'd want to do that as a job. Mm. I think I've done things that I have a passion for as a job, and you lose your passion for it. Right. So, 100%. Yeah, I, I think probably uh, a songwriter. That that'd probably be what I'd absolutely love to do for the rest of my life. So cool. yeah. You asked him like two extra questions. It's supposed to be five questions. I know, whatever. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Uh, who would be your dream collaborator? <laughs> uh, Brad Paisley. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've established that. <laughs> Whoa, these questions are easy. <laughs> this, this one's probably going to be easy too. It's your tour. So you're the headliner. Pick two opening acts. Oh, man. Riley Green. Love Ooh. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, man. Okay, I'm not going to pick Paisley 
because I would never have him open for me. Oh. That is just that is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so he's the special uh, guest special on the tour. Guest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll come out and sing with me on uh, Rainy Newton Little Moments, mm-hmm. um, which I wrote. So other one would probably be Jade. I love Jade. Jade Eagleson. Cool. Yeah. yeah I dig Jade lots. So name an instrument you wish you played. Sounds like you play a few. Fiddle. All right. Yeah. Nice. Fiddle or piano. I would die to really be good at. Okay, we have one more game for you here, Tyler Joe. Just pulling the games out of the hats. This is Amy's <laughs> speciality. This is called Lyric or Lie, and the premise is very simple. You have two choices after we read uh, a potential lyric to you. You have to decide if it is, in fact, a real lyric or if it is a lie and she's pulling your leg. Love it. We will start with this one. Wishing for a sunset instead of... I got rain. Lyric. That's a dirty lie, my friend. Dirty, dirty lie. (laughs) Oh. Also, I should mention I'm really good at this. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Such a strange combination of a woman and a child. Oh, that's lyric. Do you know what song it's from? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I know it. (laughs) It's Garth Brooks. (laughs) Uh, Colin Baton Rouge (laughs) Colin Baton Rouge, damn it It really could have been anything So, like, you're all good Uh, All right, number three Sunday morning when the paper comes Let's read it front to back And see what's going on That's a lie That's a lyric That's a lyric? That is a lyric Trisha Yearwood, Perfect Love Yeah, we stumped you on that one Here's the thing about this game, too there's some psychology behind it, I've noticed, with some people that uh, we've been interviewing, because they think that there's some sort of a pattern. There is no yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah. There is no pattern. Yeah. That being said, here we go. I just thought it sounded too much like a lyric that... Obviously, too, it's too fake. Mu- yeah. Totally. <laughs> no, I got you. Okay. 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 Here's another one. Because even when I dream of you, the sweetest dream will never do. Oh. Lyric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, number five. This is the pièce de résistance, okay? Yeah. Like a tattoo on my heart, girl, you've left your mark. Lyric. Nope. It is fake. Big, fat, dirty <laughs> oh, lie. Man. That's pretty good. <laughs> so anytime you want to write, we're here for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amy's a word for first. a third gal, so. I'm a word for a third. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, Joe Miller, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you uh, and getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, we should mention uh, before we let you go, however, that uh, you do have a talent that a lot of people might not know. And that would Uh-oh. be that you used to break dance. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this one was going to come back. Uh, well, of me. course. It's all over social media. <laughs> like, I was, I ate that up. <laughs> I was kind of hoping SiriusXM was going to cut that out. Uh, nope. <laughs> they did yeah, not. Yeah, so I should clarify. That was, like, pre-teen time, not, like, last year. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, I used to – I used to pre-teen – uh, in my preteens, I used to break dance, and I used to teach it a little bit at my elementary school, and uh, I used to be in like break dancing competitions. <laughs> Step up, bud. Seriously, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, how talented are you in all the things? As if. So listen, here's no. what we want you to do. This is uh, we don't usually assign homework, but 
you know, <laughs> you're new. So uh, so here's what we're going to do. If you can uh, go ahead and set up your uh, your iPhone camera and uh, do mm-hmm. a little break dancing for us, we'll post it on our socials. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'll get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so not happening. <laughs> Tyler, Joe Miller, thank you so much, dude. We so appreciate you taking some time for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Well, that was no fun at all. Zero fun had. <laughs> the things we do, hey? You know what? It was great getting to know Tyler Joe Miller just a little bit more. And we're going to keep tabs on his nonprofit organization as it continues to grow. And also uh, wish him the best of luck with his music career, which is really taking off. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see him doing so well. And speaking of nonprofit, the show is dressed in unison blue for season three. And uh, if you do want to support the Unison Benevolent Fund, you can do that simply by opening up your text message app and sending the word unison to 45678 and following the prompts from there. How about social media? How about it? Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know where to find us. We are at The Show On The Go. You can send us a message, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you do on all those socials. He's Scotty Kipper. She's Amy Oust. Welcome to the show.